0: Hi everyone, this is Dr. Mercola, helping you take control of your health, and today we are joined by Dr. Michael Dow, who has written a new book. The title of that book is, Your Subconscious Brain Can Change Your Life, and he is going to uh, discuss the details of that book with us today, which is really a primary focus of a sort of a modern form of hypnosis. So welcome, and thank you for joining us today.
1: Dr. Mercola, thank you so much for having me. I really do believe that the subconscious brain can help people to change their lives, so I'm thrilled to be here.
0: Yes, it has a lot of potential and you didn't, uh, well, I I think people would uh, appreciate learning more about your journey and how you got here and and I can just interject my uh, experience with you in that we first met earlier this year in New York at a, a mastermind. Uh, put together by our mutual publisher, Hay House, Mm -hmm. and I was impressed with your work. In fact, you were one of the highlights of the event for me, so I was glad to meet you there, because I've always been intrigued with hypnosis, and you actually did a little mini session for me there, but I think uh, you've got a really interesting history, so why don't you share that with our viewers now?
1: Yeah, well, it's really interesting. I wrote the book, uh, many books on the brain, The Brain Fog Fix, Healing the Broken Brain, Um, heal your drained brain. And you know, what's really interesting about me, I've also been intrigued by hypnosis. But I have to admit that I was sort of on the fence of being a believer, uh, a hardcore believer, you know, could it really do all of the things that it said it could do, you know, I I was reading some of the these research studies, some MRI studies, And I I was a little bit skeptical. So, uh, you know, I needed some continuing education for my license, so I decided to go and get uh, training. And, you know, I'm sort of, you know, learning more of the science, and I had read a lot of the literature and some of the studies, and on the first day, we had to go into a practicum, and after we had learned some of the techniques, we had to go into sort of these dyads and and experience it on each other. Now, I I have to tell you, you know, I, I know a lot about the brain, um, and you know because I know all of these techniques, you know mindfulness meditation, and you know I, I sort of know what people are doing, and I feel like I, I'm I'm not a good subject, and I just thought, well, maybe I could you know use this on somebody else, but I'm not going to be somebody who's going to be able to go deep into trance, uh, and certainly not easily. And then, wow, Dr. Mercola, I have to tell you the first practicum, that, that first day, I fell so deep so quickly. And it felt, you know, and, and this is sort of what the research shows that it's deeper, you know, you, most meditation is alpha, uh, and hypnosis takes you even into a slower brainwave into the theta. And that's exactly what I felt. And I felt into a deep, wondrous trance and it felt, uh, it felt almost dreamlike. I would say it felt magical, Relaxing, wonderful. I sort of would have those, you know, so those, those twitches when you're about to fall asleep because my brain was letting go uh, of its control of my physical body. So I just felt supremely relaxed, and in that moment, um, I became a convert, and I knew that this had the potential to heal so many things and do it in a natural way for people. Because I also knew in that moment that everything that I was hearing, I was, I was accepting. Uh, because uh, a lot of, you know, I have a very perfectionistic, rational mind. Um, everything that I was hearing, I was taking in and I was allowing in uh, to, to my brain and into my mind and into my, my mind body. So uh, that, that's my experience. And that's why I was just in that moment, I said, aha, I have to write a book about this. So there are a lot
0: of people out there who do hypnosis and some of them are not professionals, but you are a professional. And I'm wondering if you could describe to our audience the ch- specific certification and training you have in some of the professional organizations that can uh, certify you to make sure that you're seeing a clinician who is properly trained.
1: Yeah, so I'm a licensed psychotherapist. I also got my advanced training with the American Society of Clinical Hypnosis. Uh, So if you uh, get your training with the American Society, um, it is the advanced training organization in in the United States that only treats licensed healthcare professionals um, in the uh, science um, of clinical hypnosis, uh, which is different than hypnosis schools, um, which will train lay people in hypnosis. Um, so there is a sort of international Congress that recognizes, um, um, different organizations around the world and the American society of clinical hypnosis is the largest training organization in the United States. Um, so I trained with a, a large group of mental health professionals, uh, physicians, dentists, uh, who wanted to add um, clinical hypnosis to their practice, and I think that's um, important because you know it's uh, it is a tool. So you know it's sort of like um, a dermatologist going to uh, <laughs> get trained in Botox or something. You know, it, it's just it's just one other thing that you can get trained in. Um, uh, and you know, the human brain is is a really complicated uh, organ and entity. Um, so if you, are, uh, if you work with somebody who has training from the American society, uh, you, you know that they uh, are already licensed and have uh, years and years of training and, and a license um, and malpractice insurance and can bill your health insurance and all that good stuff um, and also have additional um, training in clinical hypnosis.
0: So it's it's your observation that uh, implementation of this tool can help one overcome the barriers that are typically there that uh, prevent people from applying some of these principles they're seeking to because of their subconscious beliefs. Is that what you've been saying?
1: Yeah, that's right. And, you know, Dr. Mercola, I think you'll agree that so many of um, the ways in which we diagnose, treat, and I, I don't even think people are really aware of it in, in Western medicine because it is a disease-oriented model. We are actually subconsciously training ourselves to become more aware of symptoms, right? So it's, it's interesting to me that we are uh, actually training our belief system to monitor for what is wrong with us. So and, and I don't even think a lot of people are aware of that. But, you know, slowly, you know, whether you're watching a commercial uh, on TV for a, a drug and it's telling you all the symptoms and then part of you starts to, you know, you don't even notice that you're thinking about it. You know, do I hmm, do I feel that way? Um, or, you, you know, you, you go to an office and they ask you about your symptoms and they don't ask you how well you are. They ask you how sick that you are. Um, and the subconscious is sort of the opposite of that. The subconscious is always looking for um, your, uh, you know, the place in your body where you feel the most relaxed. And then can you take that, uh, that feeling and start to spread it around? So it really is sort of the opposite uh, of the way that we approach um, disease. It's sort of a wellness model, which I, I really appreciate. And I think people um, in this country at least need, need more of these days.
0: So before you encountered your initial uh, approach with this, what were the tools in your therapeutic tool basket that you were using to help your patients?
1: Yeah. So I was a very traditional cognitive behavioral therapist. Uh, I was using a lot of uh, bilateral stimulation to treat trauma, which is uh, a clinically validated therapy um, that they use at VA hospitals. I was using, you know, all of the I would say um, cold, <laughs> you know, you know, all of the the the, the tried and true therapies uh, that university hospitals tend to love. Uh, they're they're manual based. They're uh, the left brain oriented, and you know, and then when I discovered hypnosis, I just sort of had this aha moment and. And I realized that, you know, and, and first of all, you know, EEG studies have found that hypnosis is now using mostly, pretty much all right side of the brain. You know, it's not, it's not thinking in words, it's painting uh, in pictures and images, uh, which is really fantastic if you have somebody with, uh, let's say trauma who has an overactive uh, emotional center of the brain and, and their right side of the brain is overactive. So we can sort of uh, unstick that. Um, so I, I realized that you could integra- integrate, you know, some of the old things that I was doing, sort of the more rational, logical, uh, dry therapies, with this more, I would say, um, um, magical, paintbrush, um, ethereal therapy uh, of of hypnosis and, and self hypnosis and the subconscious brain.
0: That's terrific. So, would you say what percentage of the uh, the treatments that you're doing now? are the uh, hypnosis approach? Uh,
1: Almost a 100%. I I, I integrate it uh, in just about everything uh, that I do. And you know, what's also fascinating that I found is that CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, other forms of psychotherapy are effective, I would say, if I'm just going to ballpark it and generalize here, are effective in about you know, 70% of cases, you know, uh, traditional psychotherapies are probably more effective for mental illness. CBT, you know, we see CBT can be effective in helping to manage more uh, physical diseases. But then when you add hypnosis to that, you know, because of the way, you know, there was a recent uh, brain scan study, and they found that hypnosis increases the connection and and they believe this is this is why um it, it increases the connection between the prefrontal cortex and the insula and they think that is why hypnosis in the subconscious brain allows the subconscious to um take control over parts of the body which is why perhaps the subconscious is more effective in treating ibs than prescription drugs for example and study after study um, so now all of a sudden the subconscious, um, can affect just about anything, not just in the, maybe in the realm of quote mental health or the psychological, but now we're talking about, uh, just about anything, um, you know, a, in an integrative treatment model, you know, it can boost T cells. So if somebody is, is, uh, a cancer survivor and you want to boost your T cells in your immune system, well. The subconscious brain is a wonderful treatment strategy if you want to boost your immune system, and that's not really something that cognitive behavioral therapy is, is, is fantastic at. Um,
0: so you, you had uh, mentioned cancer, but I'd, I'd like you to explore some of examples of how you found it effective in your work, and why don't we start with cancer since you mentioned it, uh, and maybe you can uh, use some of your case reports to illustrate you know, some of the benefits it's had.
1: Yeah. So when it's cancer, you know, uh, what I do, I make it, you know, when I'm practicing this one on one, uh, with somebody in my office, I love that experience because I can make it really specific. Mm-hmm. And the wonder of the subconscious brain, it really is like a paintbrush. So if there is uh let's say that it's breast cancer, uh, you really do visualize and, you know, here in my, uh, I don't, if you can see, uh, uh, I, I have some brain scans uh, well here like you can see here in this uh, well here's a spec scan of mine you can see my uh, my prefrontal cortex my basal ganglia lighting up uh, so it feels really good um, and then also the in terms of brain waves um, th- there are mostly theta waves but you can see the uh, beta brain waves lighting up in the occipital lobe so you really are visualizing so you can see for example Healing going on in those breast cancer cells, so you can imagine your immune system um, really getting rid of the cancer cells and sparing the cells that are healthy. And you know what's also really incredible—they did a, uh, a study at Ohio State University, um, and they actually measured this um, uh, in a, a group. I believe it was uh, medical students, and you know they were really measuring their T cells throughout their. Um, exams, which of course is a very uh, highly stressful time, as you know, for um, uh, physicians in training, um, and they were measuring their uh, T cells throughout uh, uh, a period of time, and they taught them self-hypnosis. And they found that there was a correlation between, and you know, of course the control group did not lear- learn self-hypnosis. And there was a correlation between these subjects that learned self-hypnosis, the more they practiced it, um, through this really stressful time, the more their immune system was actually could be measured in their blood. So this isn't some, uh, you know, this isn't some uh, psychological. Well, maybe it has a benefit. This is something that is uh, can, we can really measure in blood samples. So you know, I think when people hear that, it's 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 really uh, evidence based, and we can now say, okay, some of these things that I'm having you do, and uh, I'm having you visualize. Um, uh, your immune system attacking those malignant cells, uh, we know that that actually works and we can, we could actually uh, measure that, that that has been proven um, in in research, which I think is really exciting for people to to know.
0: As you mentioned earlier, the uh, frequencies in the brain. So there's essentially four or five of them, this alpha, theta, beta, and gamma. Mm -hmm. And can you help us understand how, those frequencies relate to hypnosis and you know, what frequencies do you need to get the brain into before it's in this suggestible state?
1: Yeah. So, if you are in everyday uh, you know, sort of a, a state of working, if you're working on that spreadsheet, uh, if you're sitting at your desk or if you're worrying about something, uh, mm-hmm. that's sort of a, a beta state. So that's a, that's a fast brainwave. Uh, gamma is actually a little faster uh, than beta. I call gamma the aha moment. Uh, a lot of times gamma will sort of just pop up and you'll have an aha moment in your brain. Uh, so beta is that everyday working Uh, Then let's say you come home from work and you start to relax um, and you sit down at your dining table and you have a cup of tea, then you're going to fall into alpha. Uh, Most forms of meditation will take you down into an alpha state. But hypnosis is really unique because it will take you down into beta, which are very, very slow brainwave states, which are somewhere in between being asleep and being awake, um, so theta is the brain wave of dreaming. So when you're dr- when you're asleep and you're dr- and you're dreaming, uh, you know your brain is popping between delta, which is the slowest brain wave, and popping up into theta when you're in REM sleep. So you know it, it, you could really say that when you are uh, using hypnosis and self hypnosis and my technique, subconscious visualization technique, you're you're suspending your brain somewhere in between being awake and being asleep. But you're doing it while you're conscious uh, and being uh, awake. You're, you know, you're obviously doing it intentionally. So you're aware of what you are doing. So it's not like you're falling asleep while you're doing it. You're doing it in in a very intentional way. Because obviously, when you go to sleep, some people can try to dream about something and some people have some success about that. Uh, in that. But, you know, when you use my technique, you can actually say, what would I like to sort of quote, dream about? What would I like to re-image in my brain? And you have control over that in that theta brainwave state. Now, theta is a really fantastic brainwave, because we know that theta, I, I think theta is the most uh, multi-talented. It is the jack of all trades of brain waves because it allows the delete and edit button in your brain to work better. So if you want to go back to something that you didn't like during that day or from 10 years ago, and you want to go and delete that file or edit that file or something was haunting you, or you want to, you know, you want to do something that I do in cognitive behavioral therapy. If you want to reframe something and see something in a different way you know, sort of take a a highlighter, let's say, and if I were to have you visualize all the things you did right 10 years ago, maybe there's some scene you're beating yourself up about something that happened and you, you know, maybe that person has passed away, but maybe I could have you highlight all the things you did right, and all of a sudden that helps you to have a reframe. Theta Mm -hmm. brainwaves are really good at that. Theta is also fantastic at helping the brain to access memories. Um, So you're going to find memories you probably couldn't access uh, while you're uh, awake in a conscious beta or an alpha state. So it really is sort of a magical brainwave um, uh, to a lot of people.
0: Yeah, after having a personal session with you, and I was inspired to uh, read a book that has always fascinated me, which is Lucid Dreaming. In the book, they have a section that they describe as wild, W-I-L-L-D, which is wake-induced lucid dreaming, and they describe it exactly as being in a theta state, that state where you're there right before you're ready to fall asleep, in which you're highly inducible and you can enter this lucid dreaming, and I wonder if you've had any experience with that.
1: Yeah, well, I I really uh, I use a technique uh, with my patients and I have them uh, imagine that they are having a dream uh, during the technique. So I, you know, sometimes I will tell them that they are uh, that they are dreaming, you know, or I will have them imagine that there is a blank canvas in front of them. And this blank canvas is going to be the dream that they wish that they had and that they are going to enter the dream. And that's this awareness is their entire awareness because, you know, it's interesting people when they're in a subconscious brain uh, activated state, they often report that they feel like they lose uh, a sense of their body. They lose a sense of time and space. So, you know, much You know, like what happens when you're dreaming. You're not aware of your body or where you are when you're dreaming, and so if you have this blank canvas, or you um, intentionally have a dream, you know. And if I say on the count of three, two, one, the dream will start. You know, you you can actually paint dreams and have these lucid dreams. And if there's an intention to the dream, so for example, um, if this dream is going to give you some insight about a particular part of your life where you are struggling with. Um, maybe your relationships. And you, usually if I talk to a person, I know what they're struggling with in their life. Maybe it's their career, their relationship. Um, and the, and you just let the subconscious become untethered to paint that dream. Um, usually people will find something um, that they hadn't discovered. It will be a new insight for them, which I, is really exciting for people. Um, and they'll say, wow, I saw this I saw this scene that really surprised me. So it really is sort of this form of, of lucid dreaming, um, which I, I I really love. Um, yeah. And it's you great. know, and the and the rapid eye movement. You know, people. You know, one of the signatures is the eye flutter. So people really do look like they're they're in rapid eye movement sleep as well.
0: That's great. Yeah, it's just wonderful to be able to imagine anything you'd like. Being a superhero and being able to fly and <laughs> yeah. You know, for it's wonderful. I,
1: I remember when you were when I was uh, uh using my technique on you you said that you wanted to stay down there for you know a lot longer li- than I had you in there and uh, you know I could see your eyes fluttering so it really was this this deeply recharging state like like a dream like you were actually uh, asleep even though we were in a little conference room for you know 30 minutes or something
0: yeah that was great so you, you shared an example of cancer and I wondered if you can share a few more examples to illustrate what the potential of this technique is and then we could delve into the actual mechanisms of how it's implemented.
1: Yeah Um, well uh, there gosh there are so many examples. Um, I guess that's a that's a more physical disease so I guess I should talk about um, maybe some of the uh, maybe an example of these uh, something that's more psychological. Um, It's effective for Dr. Mercola, it's effective for so many things from fibromyalgia to chronic fatigue syndromes. You know, it's it's effective for, it is uniquely effective for some of the most elusive and difficult to treat conditions because of the mechanism, um, because of the way it works in the brain, which I think is really exciting uh, for people who are at the end of their rope, for people who are looking for something. uh, because of the way it changes top-down processing in the brain. And maybe a way I could get into that and I could um, – m- l- let me give you an example of this uh, and I could um, then maybe talk ab- and people can understand uh, how that works. So let's talk about phobias, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so this, it's really effective. And, you know, by the way, all of the research in, in, in my book, Your Subconscious Brain Can Change Your Life. I, I, In study after study after study after study, in major uh, peer-reviewed journals – it's I'm talking about the way that it's, uh, you know, it's hypnosis combined with CBT cognitive behavioral therapy is more effective than either alone. And, you know, my techniques subconscious visualization technique uh, combines those strategies. So whether we're talking about fibromyalgia, cancer, smoking. Uh, alcoholism, anxiety disorders, depression—it it works time and time again. So, uh, if you're if you're talking about something like a phobia, you know, I used to treat phobias the old-fashioned way with uh, graded exposure. So, let's say you're afraid of cats. I'm going to have you imagine a cat, then I'm going to have you. Uh, I'm going to show you a picture of a cat. Then I'm going to eventually, almost everyone
0: loves cats. Probably a rat or a snake would be better.
1: Yeah. Let's, let's use a snake. I've, I've treated that also. Um, so then I'm going to bring a snake in, in a cage and eventually baby step by baby step at a time, your brain is going to learn that you can tolerate that. Um, that, that thing that you fear, but you know, it goes really slowly. Um, people don't really like that treatment, but it does work. It, you know, it's obviously the only thing that, uh, um, it, it, it's teaching you that you can do it. Uh, but when we supercharge the, that treatment with the subconscious, uh, it, it really works wonders and it makes, the, uh, it makes the treatment go much faster. And one of the ways you can do that, well, first, um, you can imagine um, much more vividly with the subconscious brain. So there was this study that had, um, and the uh, this study was also uh, used uh, brain imaging to show just how profound the subconscious brain is. So uh, they uh, burned subjects' hands with something, uh, and then they had in in the second, uh, and then they had them go back again, and they were scanning their brains. And in the first time, they said, "Okay, I want you to just you know imagine that your hand is being burned again," and they they scanned their brains. And then, the second time, they activated their subconscious brain with self-hypnosis. And then they had them say, your hand is being burned. And what do you know, their brains lit up just like it did the first time when their hands were actually being burned. And when so, it, let me say lit up, was that
0: in a PET scan
1: or? Uh, I believe that, that one was an fMRI, I believe. Okay. I believe. It, it might have been a PET scan. I, I have to go back to the book. Uh, I believe that one was an fMRI. And, um, I believe so. Um, and you know, what's so interesting is that when you take, when you take that and then you say, oh, so if you activate the subconscious and then you imagine a snake, you're not just imagining a snake. Your brain is convinced that you're seeing a snake. Your brain thinks that you're holding a snake. And if your brain thinks that you're holding a snake, it is the experience of holding a snake that helps people's brains to conquer fears, right? So that's that's incredible. But then the other incredible thing that only the subconscious can do is the magic of changing top-down processing. So, you know, in the modern world, in everyday experience, when we walk around the world, you know, we receive all of this information from the bottom up, right? So our eyes sense uh, a tree, and we, uh, we receive the green, um, you know, the, the, the leaves are, you know, are, are these incoming images and we have to process the billions and billions of images, the sounds, the lights, and it comes up, you know, into our senses, our eyes, our ears, and then, you know, there's sort of these two signals, all this stuff coming from the bottom up from the world and then the top-down processing from our brain, everything that we learned, and we know what a tree is and we know what a leaf is because we uh, learned that when we were young. And when our brain has enough information to say, okay, that's green and it's waving and it's on something with a trunk and it looks sort of like you know this, like the shape of a, of a leaf, it says, boo, leaf, right? So you have the bottom-up information coming up from the outside world, and then you have top-down processing, which is what your brain has learned throughout your life so that it can make sense of your experience. And you could say that when those two things collide, that's consciousness, right? That is, that, that moment of impact is when your brain makes sense of something. But here's, here's the fascinating thing. You can tinker with top-down processing via the subconscious brain. So there was this uh, study where uh, subjects were told that squares are always red. And then they were brought out of that, th- that hypnotic trance and then they were shown a square and then they were asked what color, it, it, they were showed a, a, I think a blue square um, and they were asked what, what color is that square? And the subject said, oh, uh, red. Right, So, so the, the subconscious brain had overrided, uh, it, it presses the override button on all that information. So, who, I mean, who cares what color a square is? But now imagine if, if I take you really deep into that state and I now tell you that snakes are always cuddly. Snakes are always an animal that you like. Snakes are always an animal that make you feel safe and peaceful. Now, the conscious brain won't accept that, but the subconscious brain can, will take some of that information and it will, um, if you're deep enough, it will start to override some of the top-down processing, some of the things that you have learned throughout your life. It will actually override some of the fear um, that has been paired throughout your life. So then all of a sudden, when you see something that you feared, um, it will, it, it, it sort of changes that. And, you know, you can apply some of that to a lot of uh, different physical conditions um, like obesity. So, for example, what if I told you that ice cream always tastes a little bit like dirt, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Or what if I told you that, um, I'm trying to think of uh, some of the example, uh, some of the things I've told people lately. Um, I told somebody. Uh, America's favorite food, pizza. Yeah what, yeah, what if I told you that pizza, uh, the cheese of pizza always tasted a little bit like urine, you know, would it, would it still taste good? You know, you can, you can plant these uh, via top-down processing, you can plant these, these tiny little tweaks, and then all of a sudden you, you take that bite of pizza and it tastes a little bit like urine, right? Um, and all of a sudden you don't have to use conscious effort to stop yourself because you don't really want it anymore. Um, this was so effective in, in somebody um, who was uh, addicted to sugar, um, who was uh, eating a lot of cake. And I, I, I'm trying to remember what was the suggestion, but uh, she literally used something and we tweaked it um, and she literally ate cake and then uh, threw up afterwards. It was so mm-hmm. powerful. Um, and she, this was somebody who never throws up. She hadn't thrown up in, I think, um, she hadn't vomited in 25 years. Um, but she literally had a bite of cake in it and it made her vomit because uh, she tweaked it so um, so much. Um, and and have, you, can, you can tweak it back. Yeah. She didn't
0: have an eating disorder. So it was just no. a strong no. physiological response.
1: Yeah, because we had tweaked that in her brain and all of a sudden the taste that she had known uh, became an entirely different taste to her because she didn't want to eat that anymore. She didn't want to eat that sugar.
0: Well, that's great. So, uh, and I, I don't want to get misrepresent the power of hypnosis with respect to treating sort of uh, non-physical diseases that may be neuropsychiatric in in, uh, origin. But it appears that the hypnosis can activate really powerful endogenous mechanisms that can really cause the body to uh, activate uh, resources to address these.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, you know, I, I think to your point, and I say this again and again in the book, it, it is not, um, especially because the book is a self-guided um, uh, subconscious visualization technique uh, practice, it is not uh, a replacement for people who need um, inpatient care for especially things like eating disorders, but it can certainly be a complement um, to them. And it really does have the ability um, to to access part, as you said, uh, these parts uh, of the body, these mechanisms that are off limits, um, even you know, in these studies, even better in, in, in some diseases, better than medication, and it's certainly without the side effects. Um, so I think that's really exciting, and it's just another tool uh, in a toolbox for people uh, that they can use if they're suffering from something like fibromyalgia or IBS um, cancer um, heart disease, you know, people, um, th- there's a really fascinating study. It can even change how much you bleed. You know, there was a study that, um, told people before surgery that they were going to bleed less via the subconscious and, uh, a control group did not get that suggestion. And then they measured how much each uh, group bled in surgery. And, and so it actually changed the amount that your body was bleeding. I mean, who, who could imagine that that, um, that the subconscious brain could change something that that most people would say well that 's not, that's not in our control that's, that's, that, that certainly could never be changed by by our mind by our brain, uh, but these these studies show that actually it can, so I think that 's really sort of exciting
0: yeah it 's a great resource and tool, and ha- having put my focus of on uh, improving health on the nutrition component, and we believe we 've really identified some Powerful strategies that can radically decrease and resolve many of the chronic degenerative diseases, but there's this issue called compliance. Yeah, right. There's a short-term window of a few weeks it's where where a person needs to go into a transition where there it does involve quite a bit of discipline, and yeah. that's where I perceive your resource and strategies to be so powerful because it can get people over that hump. Then once they're over the hump, then the physiology takes over and it becomes less of a challenge, but unless you can get that assistance, it's difficult to make that transition. So I yeah. really, I, I think it has, it has great potential to really assist people in, in all variety of areas, but in, in specifically in my interest, which is nutrition.
1: Well, you know, Dr. Mercola, I think um, that it's a great pairing, you know, you know, for any of your programs or your new program, or, you know, I've worked with other doctors, where, you know, that's exactly what it is. So, you know, I'm, I'm helping people, um, I'm helping people with uh, sort of the motivational piece, uh, that's exactly right, so that they can do what the doctor is telling them to do uh, for the good of their health. So if you're telling them, okay, here's what you need to do, I guess my program is going to tell, uh, help them with the how, how can you do it, you know, how do they comply, the, the motivational piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think is a great sort of a pairing.
0: It's it's wonderful. So why don't we go into some of the specifics and details of how you do that? Because in the book you have a number of different scripts that you've written uh, that are interestingly are accompanied with audio scripts because it's it's difficult to read this script when you're in this data state. So it's obviously a lot better to have someone read it to you. Yeah. And those audio files are online. So Why don't you discuss how the mechanism works, you know, and take it as an example of some of it. And use one of the chapters as an example.
1: Yeah, so there are seven steps. Uh, So the protocol is called SVT, subconscious visualization technique. And, you know, I got the name um, based on um, uh, my own brain scans. Um, So what's really interesting is my EEG showed, uh, again, the beta, Mostly theta brain waves throughout the brain, so that is the subconscious sort of washing over the brain. Except there in back in the occipital lobe, there was uh, so basically the brain is really slowing down. Except back in the occipital lobe, it's speeding up up into beta brain waves, which means that the brain thinks that it's seeing something. Whatever I think that I'm picturing, it thinks that it's seeing, even though my eyes are closed. So, you know, the theta is the subconscious, the visualization that's coming from the occipital lobe in the brain uh, technique, because it's something that you can use on yourself, which is why I have both the printed scripts uh, and the audio, because basically what I suggest is that in the beginning, people use the audio tracks, um, and then as they get better at using the technique, they start to modify it for themselves. So then they can study the scripts and they can see what I did, because what I do is I, I use my own scripts. On myself all the time, but I'm always changing it. Whatever I need that day, I just sort of close my eyes and I'm sort of talking to myself. So, you know, what's really great is people can start to tweak and they they see the language of the subconscious brain and they can start to to really uh, you know customize it however they need. So that's why I really wanted to have the the printed scripts in there as well. Um, so there are seven steps. So the way I integrate cognitive behavioral techniques, which is what the research shows, it's um, you know it's better to have both cognitive behavioral techniques with uh, techniques of hypnosis together. Uh, you're going to get a better effect. Um, so let's talk about. Um, we were talking about uh, phobias. So let's talk about phobias and anxiety disorders since I think they're uh, so prevalent. Um, so the step one. Uh, step one is you're going to consider the conscious. Um, So I talk about these seven pitfall thought patterns um, of cognitive behavioral therapy. So for example, um, I think uh, when it comes to uh, anxiety, probably uh, pessimistic thinking in the forms of catastrophic worst case scenario thinking is probably uh, one of the most common of the seven. Uh, uh, Also, polarized thinking is really common when it comes to um, anxiety Uh, So you want to look at that one and you sort of want to look at which one of the seven pitfall thought patterns are fueling the conscious cycles, right? Um, Oh, and and probably the third when it comes to anxiety is paralysis by analysis or rumination, stewing. So you want to know throughout your conscious waking life, what is your conscious brain doing that is causing this cycle, you know, a lot of people that I treat report that when they get caught in a in a negative paralysis by analysis thought pattern, it's like a broken record. They can't stop thinking about that negative thought, and the conscious brain just takes them around and around and around, and that actually leads to really fast beta brain waves, and they can't get out of it. So the first step is to realize what we are trying to change in the conscious brain. Um, mm-hmm. So then, after we've sort of identified, okay, this is what the conscious brain is doing, then it's time to do the fun part, which is step two, activating the subconscious. Um, so I use a really fun technique called uh, that I created, called the three twelve seven technique. Um, it starts with a little bit of mindfulness, so you get it, you get into it really sort of slowly. Um, you use a little bit of mindfulness meditation, uh, and then the three is sort of as you close your eyes, you're sort of noticing three things that you see uh that you hear uh three sounds and then you notice two things that you see one color on the back of your eyelids straight out in front of you and then one up at the top up at the top of the crown of your head as you take an inhale and then on the next exhale you allow the eyes to drop which takes people usually into a light trance and then you just sort of notice that one breath and then you notice and see yourself going down, I have a lot of different uh, methods, but then you go down a flight of stairs or an elevator or a series of rooms and then I walk people down and you know this will feel familiar to you that those 12 steps, 12, 11, 10, nine, becoming more and more relaxed on every floor. And then by the time people get to the end of that, their subconscious brains are really activated. And I think you know how that feels once you're at the bottom of that stairway or that elevator or those rooms. um, And then I turn it up uh, with a seven. um, And then I have people sort of leave their bodies. So I tell them that I'm now gonna count upwards from one to seven. And that they're actually going to start to feel like they're floating, that they're going to actually leave their physical bodies as I count from one to seven, that their bodies are going to start to feel warm and light and if they'd like, they're going to leave their physical bodies so that this awareness starts to feel all encompassing. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And by the time they reach seven, then it's a really, really deep state of of subconscious activation. Um, and then we're gonna float back. So that's step three you know um, Now a lot of uh, phobias uh, are not always, but a lot of phobias uh, have have roots in the past. So let's say there is that snake phobia uh, and there was that time in the uh, seventh grade where you uh, were encountering a snake at your best friend's house and that snake uh, really scared you when it was you know eating some um, it's food, which was you know some pet mouse, or you know it's food, or something really horrific, or something. Um, so you're going to float back into that memory, and you know once your subconscious brain is activated, memories are going to start to feel real. Um, and what's great about that is that now the right side of the brain is really activated. It's going to start to feel really real. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to encourage the activation of the left-right eye flutter, so it kind of looks like this left, right, left, right, even more, which most people will do even, uh, just naturally. I don't even have to say anything. And and then I have them re-image and edit that file. So I have them start from the beginning to the end. Uh, and then I have something really interesting in this that no other technique, um, integrates in in the world of hypnosis, which is bilateral stimulation. So in the, in the audio tracks, uh, when they press play, they're going to do two things. They're going to, uh, encourage the eye flutter from side to side and then they're also going to hear left right audio tones as they go through that scene from the past now bilateral stimulation um, both with the eye flutter and also the audio tones um, brings the left hemisphere of the brain online uh, because we know that emotionally charged memories uh, they usually get stuck on the right side of the brain in the emotional center The the emotional, uh, negatively emotionally charged memories are sort of too much on the right side of the brain. We want you to make sense of your experience, bringing it more on the left side. Um, So that's what that does. Uh, One of the many things that that does. So you're going to do that uh, a couple times and I'm going to have you play the scene. I'm going to have you edit the scene. Um, If you'd like, delete that scene altogether. So then all of a sudden that, that, that memory sometimes, um, I've had people do this and it's, they feel like the memory emotionally is gone. Like they rationally now know that that happened, but they don't emotionally feel that that happened anymore. It's a, it's a very strange feeling for people. Um, and then you're going to, you know, the next step is now you're going to float forward in time. And now we're going to talk about, um, your present. Uh, and we're going to talk about what's happening in your present life. So you're going to see yourself uh, today. You're going to see what's different. Um, and I'm going to, you know, obviously use some language. You know, I wonder what will be different um, in your present life uh, as you encounter that snake. I wonder what, what has changed. I wonder what you see uh, in the right here and right now. Uh, I wonder if you could imagine that snake and I wonder what's, what's different. Uh, and then your float, then the next step is floating forward into the future. Um, and what's really incredible is here's another place in the technique where cognitive behavioral tools um, are evident um, because what's incredible about CBT is that, you know, I love the baby steps of CBT where, you know, my, everything is broken down into micro goals, right? So you, if there is something that needs to happen, um, I can help that person see in their mind's eye exactly what they need to do in their waking life. So it's not like, okay, you do this one time and you're done. So now they're going to see exactly what they need to do tomorrow, the next day, the next week, you know, especially if it's something like weight loss or, you know, using your protocol. Okay. Now they're going to see in their mind's eye. And, you know, we know that time and space floats away. So even five minutes, it almost feels like they're um, they can see the next uh, two weeks or year of their life. And it feels like uh, they've been in this practice for Uh, In some ways, they they can really feel like it's been weeks um, on some level. Um, And then finally, uh, I'm going to plant some positivity. Um, One of the other things that I didn't tell you about yet, which is really exciting, um, is that research shows that the way that the subconscious um, sort of wires certain parts of the brain and unwires certain parts of the brain, um, it feels like certain things happen effortlessly. So when you're deep in a hypnotic trance, Things that you hear, so if I tell you that you will start to um, love snakes, or that you will effortlessly want to wake up at 8 a.m. and jogs will become so uh, (laughs) enjoyable and cool, or that fasting will be something that you will just love to do and it will become, it will give you boundless energy and it will be something that you will look forward to. Uh, that will just start to unfold as if it's happening effortlessly, as if you don't have to consciously do it. Um, and we think it's because it's the way uh, that the brain unwires itself. And it's almost like it's happening by an outside force, which is really uh, fantastic for people. Uh, and then the final step is that I build a bridge so that I give people a touch point, I give them a little button so that then uh, at, uh, on their dominant uh, index finger so that when they need a reminder of what they discovered here today in their conscious life they can press that button um, and it and it brings some of these positive um, memories images back for them um, yeah. well
0: that, that's a great summary of your process and thank you for sharing that and I'm wondering uh, the word comes to mind I was thinking of a surprise and I mm-hmm. suspect that's a big part of what you do and that not only the surprise of the person going undergoing the treatment but also you and really having the opportunity to witness the the transformation that this process is able to facilitate in the person uh, would you say that that's been your experience or is uh, it
1: some,
0: some different components
1: surprise awe shock um, just uh, I, I mean I, I have to tell you there's a case that I worked on and you know i I, I there's there's a there's a there's a, a in the book, I tell people sort of when this should be used as a self practice and when this should be used sort of uh, with somebody like me in my office. There, I, I treated somebody um, who was tormented, tormented by uh, horrific childhood abuse, and I and I used. Um, you know, this is this is not somebody who should use this uh, as a self guided practice by any means, but sure. um, and I and I and I make that very clear in the book. Um, but the shock and awe of the freedom after just one session. Uh, and then, you know, of course we did more than one session, but the freedom and, and, and the look in this, in this patient's eyes was, uh, I was, I was overjoyed, I was shocked, uh, I was surprised. Uh, I was in awe because, you know, I, I, had, I had achieved that before, but it had taken me, you know, four, eight, 12, 16 sessions. And the fact that I could do it in one or two sessions uh, with people who are in so much pain and in so much suffering, um, especially with what's going on in our world today, shootings and, and physical abuse and sexual abuse. Um, I, I was just, I knew that I had to share some version of this with the world in a bigger way. Um, so yeah, I think surprise. And, you know, I think the brain is such a magical, wondrous thing. And it's sort of, on some level, I, I, I was sort of, when I discovered this, my technique, and I was sort of putting... All you know, I was, I was putting self hypnosis together with CBT, with bilateral stimulation, with mindfulness, and all of these different protocols that I had studied. And then I, I sort of realized uh, very early on that it was working and working really well. Um, I, I just felt so happy for these people um, because I knew that they were out of pain, and that that just made me really happy.
0: Yes, indeed. Now I imagine a number of people after watching this are. Uh, believing or thinking that this is really too good to be true and if yes it's great that it works for all these people but probably is not going to work for me so I'm wondering if you could address the concern that some may have that they are not able to get into the state where they're suggestible and these personal transformations can occur
1: yeah, well, I, I think there's a myth uh, that only a few people are hypnotizable. And I think uh, that you'll find that my technique, uh, I, I, I have yet to encounter somebody who is not um, uh, hypnotizable when they use my technique. Um, I, and I think the other myth here is that uh, you're either hypnotizable, hypnotizable or you're not. I think that's a very polarized black or white way. Uh, to look at this. So uh, remember that it is a skill. And as you use it, uh, you will become better and better. So look at it as a skill, Uh, you will go deeper and deeper, and it will become more and more effective every time you use it. So yeah, I think we're on a continuum of how deep someone will go the first time they use it. Uh, Mm -hmm. But if you use it a 100 times, every person is going to go deeper the 100th time versus the first. So you know, I, I think that you know, I recommend in in my book and my program that people are using this a few times a week. And in in research, um, we're really finding, you know, I I shared one, you know, uh, a case example of, you know, somebody who felt uh, relief after, you know, one or two sessions. But I think in when we look at the research for um, conditions, all all of these conditions from anxiety disorders, to depression, to smoking, to weight loss, to um, IBS, you know, most of the data show that the more people Practice, you know, when we're looking at eight sessions, sixteen sessions, thirty-two sessions, um, that's when we're really finding the, the 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 results. So this isn't something that is. Uh, I think people should use this as a practice, and you know, also remember, just like meditation, uh, hypnosis, self-hypnosis is really the shift from a. A, a sympathetic nervous system activation to a you know or fight fight or flight to a parasympathetic rest and digest dominant state. So you are really teaching your brain and your body to relax. So it's not like you are quote uh, treating yourself. You are you are just practicing. You know SVT in the way that I have it in the book isn't really a treatment so much as a practice. Um, you know it can help you to relax. It can help you to. Um, we know that so many um, so many issues flare up when there is stress present. So you know, the more you just like the more you meditate, uh, the more you use this practice, uh, the more relaxed, the more calm you're going to cultivate, which I think is really exciting for people.
0: And one final concern I think that I'd like to have you address is the issue that many people believe that they might be. Uh, uh, induced or motivated to do something under this trance that they wouldn't do normally if they were yeah. conscious. So it's a fear I think that that's there, and I think you discuss it in the book. So I'd like you if you could comment on that now.
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the 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 myths that that scare people away from anything that uh, you know when they hear the word hypnosis, it's like this bad word. Um, you know, I am not going to coerce you to do anything against your will. You know, all hypnosis is self hypnosis. Um, now, remember that the mind is a very uh, suggestible entity in general. So, as long as you have somebody who has your best interests at heart, uh, like me, uh, I am not involved in a court case trying to uh, access a memory to convict somebody, um, leading you uh, down a uh, with, you know, with something in mind, trying to, uh, you know, I, I don't work for the prosecution. I'm not trying to uh, find a, a false memory of satanic abuse um you know you know double blind witness uh court proceedings you know when we have court um you know sort of those um those lineups um where you you know have to enter a room and 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 look uh at, behind one way glass at um, um uh, perpetrators uh uh ex- what what do you call those um, uh, uh with um um when you're trying to identify somebody, um, uh, suspects, thank you. Um, The the person in the room also can't know who they suspect because subtle cues of that police person, that policeman or woman can influence your decision. So by the same token, if I am unbiased, I am not going to plant false memories. I'm not going to lead you um, into anything uh, that you don't wanna do. So um, it is your subconscious brain uh, that is going to lead you to um, uh, ultimate health and healing. And I, I think it's also important to understand, and I opened the book, I think in the first uh, couple chapters, I tell people that your subconscious is actually conspiring in your favor. Um, so I think that's really good news that if, it, if your subconscious is conspiring in your favor, And you have somebody like me who has no ulterior motive other than to help you to live your best life, to help you to heal, to reach your goals, to help you to uh, feel peace, to feel calm, to lose weight, to feel uh, less pain, to feel more comfort, to... you know, adhere to Dr. Mercola's new protocol, if that's uh, uh, something that's gonna be uh, helpful for you, um, then there's, you know, there's no uh, jumping around like monkeys or, uh, you know, <laughs> any of these things that you see in Vegas. Um, you know, I, I think those are, uh, that's just a myth and that the subconscious is really a tool that we all use every day. We use our subconscious brains. You know, if you've ever been um, searching for a name and it just pops into your brain, hours later, your subconscious was looking for that name uh, the whole time. That was your, your subconscious brain conspiring in your favor, helping you, and you didn't even realize it. So I think our subconscious brains can be used for um, our own health, our own healing, um, and we can use it for good. And if we give our subconscious brains a little bit of love and a little bit of attention, uh, they can help us with a lot more in our own daily lives. And I think we could use that uh, right about now.
0: Well, that's great. I like your approach or Belief that your subconscious mind is conspiring in your favor. And it aligns up with my belief that your body wants to be healthy. It's just, it doesn't want to be diseased. You just have to do the right things to, to help it and give it the resources so it can do that. So the name of the book is Your Subconscious Brain, the main resource can change your life. And it's available at pretty much any bookstore. Uh, if it isn't, as you're watching this now, it will be short and you can certainly order it online. So definitely pick it up. And there's magnificent audio tracks that are cupping it and there are links to it in the book. So great, powerful resource. And again, I think books are one of the best investments you can make because for literally a few dollars, you can get all the w- wisdom and, and uh, that is uh, shared from the author and put, took so many years to compile. So Thank you so much for all your work in this area.
1: Thank you, Dr. McCall. I appreciate it.